Stories from the past to present. This is the history of Ducks hockey. Let's turn the pages back and relive from mighty till now. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of From Mighty Till Now. A very special guest, David Backus, joins us. Uh, and I just, I've just learned that David Backus still lives in, in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> still, <laughs> why still haven't we done this around. earlier? Yeah, I know. Uh, but it's so, so good to see you. Glad you're here. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Absolutely, you and your wife are going to be on our pregame show talking about your charity. So uh, we'll touch on that here in a moment. But um, you know, I want to kind of go back a little bit with you, and I haven't really had a chance to dive into this either. Being from Minnesota, I mean really hockey capital here of uh, the United States, it seems like. And what was it like growing up in Minnesota? And, and were the, was it always hockey for you, or were you playing a lot of different sports growing up? Well, it was never hockey for me for a while. Really? Um, I was in a, I grew up in a small town, and um, I, my dad played baseball in junior college. So I started with the T-ball kids yeah. in, in town, and all of them were switching from baseball and going to play hockey. I had no intentions to play, but I wanted to be with my buddies. So I they dragged me along and uh that's how i got into hockey my parents had no history with the game had know nothing about it uh but my buddies kind of dragged me into the sport and it's a struggle at first for everyone sure. when you're young but uh you know kind of a late bloomer and just scrappy little kid that ended up you know somehow finding my way into the nhl so i think minnesota being the state of hockey uh that's that's why I'm here talking to you right now. What is what is high school like out there? Because you walk into XL Energy Center and it's incredible. The jerseys of every single high school that wrap that building up. And then you see the the hockey day in Minnesota. And we and it's just it's an environment like I've never seen before or experienced. What was it like being part of all that? Yeah, and they just had the state tournament there. Yeah. They sell out the Excel Energy Center, 18,000 some people for high school hockey. Imagine that. I mean, a lot of guys don't play past it's high like, school. It's like uh, football in, in Texas, right? Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. And and I remember in high school, we would get the those days off from being students. My team never made it to the state tournament, but it was excusable to not be at school, but to be at the state tournament to watch the hockey game. So that's how much it's ingrained in the culture. Pretty amazing. Uh, that's That was the, you know, the big sport in the winter to go watch and uh, just, I think all the stars aligned, feel very blessed that I was part of, you know, a yeah. team in the state where, and our team was not good. We were 500 every year and we had to kind of scrap and claw and bite for everything that yeah. we got. And, you know, same way kind of when I was in college too, where I went to Mankato and we were not the big dogs. We played against Wisconsin and Minnesota and North Dakota. And it kind of, it, it gives you that blue collar mentality that yeah. I might not have the skill to be you know the best tonight but i'm going to do everything i can in my power to win and uh, i think that boded well for me throughout my career as well you know in the in Ducks high school hockey league you probably had a chance to get a little bit of a taste of that when you were here right. uh, it just continues to grow i think we're close to 50 teams now but when it first got started i remember it was that uh, it was that friday night lights mentality except it was on saturday morning <laughs> and i'll never forget one of the first games i went to it was packed Obviously nowhere near in Minnesota, but I mean, there was a fight and the guy turns yeah. the crowd and got everybody going. I mean, was it like, I mean, were you guys, was it physical? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it was hockey back 20 years ago when, yeah. and not that hockey's not great sure. now, but it was a, it was a gladiator sport, Yeah, you know, until the last eight, five, eight years, it's turned more into a skill display, yeah. which is phenomenal, but it, it was gladiator-esque. I mean, it was hard nose and in high school, we all wear full cages. So 
there's less sensitivity to hitting guys in the face or the head, especially yeah. back then. So yeah, it was rough and tumble, but loved every single second of it. When you got to St. Louis, was it the same kind of the blue collar city? You went there to play. The fans were just into it. They show up to cheer, show up to boo. I mean, was that what type of environment was it? And did it translate well for you being from Minnesota in in the Midwest? The Midwest, yeah, no question. That was a comfort that we had. It was a, a eight hour drive from home. My parents could drive down for just a weekend if they wanted. Um, but yeah, when you talk about the blue collar mentality of St. Louis, not only, you know, blue collar people, but home home to Budweiser and where there's a brewery right there. Yeah. Uh, the fans yeah. are rowdy and they're passionate and they love their sports. And truthfully, when I got there, we were terrible. Yeah. I mean, we were the last place team in the league when I got called up. Uh, ended up with a first overall pick, picking Eric Johnson that year. And we were terrible. And it, it was four years of real struggle before all of a sudden there was light. You know, we were... We had to come up with an identity and trying to build culture and all the things that you're looking to do when you're not good. All the, you know, some of it's cliche, but some of it's legit that you can't just buy culture overnight. It's something that you have to earn and you have to develop and you have to be very intentional about. And then my last five years, we never missed the playoffs. We were all of a sudden, uh, you know, contenders and perennial contenders the Blackhawks and the Kings ended up uh, ending a few of those high expectation years that we had. But, uh, you know, all those things I think really were ingrained from that blue collar mentality that start early in Minnesota high school hockey. I want to take a a quick uh, turn off the road here uh, and talk about your uh, play for team USA. And the reason, well, for several, but the one thing that that's happening now is WBC, the world baseball um, classic. classic. And that's, you're hearing guys go, this is the fun, the most fun I've had ever right. playing the game with the USA or whatever countries on their on their jerseys. Mike Trout is being very vocal, like this is the most incredible thing ever. Did you feel the same when you wore USA on your jersey? I 100% did. The Olympics in 2010 and 2014 on foreign soil, uh, to be able to band together with a lot of guys that you're enemies with most of the year, but then you've got that common you know, bond of being Americans and everything that that stands for wearing the red, white, and blue. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said that it, it was a fraction, I believe of, of what our armed servicemen and women feel yeah. when they represent our country yeah. and they were camel overseas to, you know, fight on foreign territory. And just that fraction gave me chills. And I wanted to, you know, make everyone proud that was watching back home or that, you know, also, believes in what America is all about. And, and I certainly do. You played in you know, on the biggest stage in the Stanley cup final. Can, is there any relation as far as the intensity or is it, is there, is it different because it is country versus country? It's country versus country. The Olympics have a special aura about them just being in the village and being around it's every four years and it's do or die every game where the Stanley cup final. I mean, I, if, if you had to ask me gold medal versus Stanley cup, I guess that's the ultimate question. I think the Stanley Cup's probably harder to win and I would love to have a cup to my resume. Unfortunately, I don't, uh, we lost the gold medal game in overtime to Canada in 2010, but just how it's do or die. It's, it's, you're representing your country. There's such a national pride behind it. No offense to the cities that, and, and maybe right. States that cheer for their teams, but it's a, it's a huge deal and and the pride again that I felt in the, I don't want to say pressure, but to sit there and, you know, a guy that played here too, like Ryan Kessler, a guy I never, you know, 
was endearing to any of the guys he played against, but all of a sudden now you're sitting next to a guy like him or Patrick Kane, who was in you know rival Chicago when I was in St. Louis, and now you're teaming up because you've got a common bond to be Americans. That's a pretty cool feeling. And then when it gels and it works and you see that chemistry coming together, you're like, we could we could do something special here. One more guy was Ryan Miller was I was just out of this say, world yeah. in 2010. What I mean, I look back at that game. Uh, was that Crosby, right? Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you, the highs are high, but the lows got to be low. I mean, what a just, you know, in front of, in, on Canadian soil, in front of all those people. I mean, what yeah. I can't imagine what that environment would be like. And we beat them in the prelims yeah. uh, pretty handily as well. Um, so to think that we were going against them in the gold medal game, it was for all the marbles to the, you know, the two juggernauts. And Millsy was phenomenal, and it was a, one goal game the whole game we scored with a minute 15 or whatever left push it to overtime and i remember being in a locker room and ryan whitney stood up and he wasn't playing much nor was i at that point in the yeah. game and he said someone in here is going to be a national hero you know guys go out there and get it and it was like i got chills you know thinking about it but i remember that moment vividly uh unfortunately it was it was crosby coming off the half wall and um you know millsy was phenomenal all tournament and I think we deserve better, but yeah, uh, yeah, one of the better games that's been played, sure. I'd say, in the in the last twenty years. Yeah, it's incredible. To look back on it, you're right. I get chills just thinking about you know watching that game on TV. Yeah. Um, back to St. Louis, when you, what did it mean for you to, to finally grab the C and wear that the last five years that you were with that organization? Yeah, I think it, you know part of me felt validated for all the work and the um, extra stuff that I was doing to try to build culture and try to connect with teammates and. Uh, grow something there that wasn't there when I got there. And it was pretty bleak to, you know, come to a team that's dead last in the league. Um, I also felt like it was an honor to see all the guys that have worn that C and I had to uphold, you know, not only to what their standard was, but to the team standard and, um, you know, honor all the guys that had come before us. And I think there's a pride there. Uh, I always, I say that, your introduction, at least when I was going there to St. Louis, was before the season started, before training camp, there was an alumni, uh, I don't know what they call it, uh, fantasy. No, oh, fantasy camp. Camp, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was, they wanted alumni in each team, but they also wanted the guys that were in town uh, on each team so that, whatever, they could raise more money, yeah. which was great. But then after the games, it's beer league, you're having a couple beverages and you're sitting there with Kelly Chase or Brett Hall or, you know, Al McKinnis, uh, Bobby Plager, guys that are longtime blues, and they're telling you old stories and old war stories and how much it means to them. And immediately, you're you're you've got that source of pride, and you want to uphold that. And that's uh, that meant a ton to me. Was it tough to leave in free agency? Oh, it was beyond tough. Yeah, it, I mean, I wanted to retire blue. We, my wife and I, really love the city of St. Louis. We love the people there. We had been so ingrained in the community and all the things that we were doing. Um, but the business side, you know, got reared its head and uh, yeah. we, we were on our way to to different pastures. Yeah. And the irony is, too, you get to the final, you play the blues. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we were we were in Boston, uh, obviously, and we played Carolina in the, the semifinal. Yeah. And we swept them. So we're practicing and and we're watching San Jose, St. Louis for who we're going to play in the final. And I mean, I was actually praying we would play San Jose because... And I 
I said in my exit interviews when I was leaving St. Louis, I hope that they win a cup if it's not me winning a cup. Yeah. I just didn't think I'd have to live it out so intimately in 2019. So the emotions, as you can imagine, being a, was it 13th year in the season, finally making it to the Stanley Cup final, and then I play against a team that I played for for 10 years, there was emotions, you know, out the door and just trying to trying to make any difference you can at that point yeah i don't know how you could navigate through that yeah. with the emotions of wanting to you know have the b win and then you got the all your friends and family and everyone and right. you probably still still knew a lot of people on that team that blues team right tons of i mean three years out so it's yeah, not it's like not, it's it wasn't completely turned, over. turned over but yeah it was it was a lot of layers of emotions and then being in the finals i played the first four games and it was two to two and then i was healthy scratch for games five, six, and seven. So part of me still feels or felt like we were in a two, two series. Cause I didn't get to yeah. finish it out. Yeah. Um, and just to have to watch and have that out of your control is, is another thing where it, it's just, and it weighs on me a little bit that I didn't get to like, you know, yeah. do something about affecting the result of that series of in my one shot that I had to win a cup. Of course. So, yeah. Um, random stat I came across and, uh, I don't, I want to get your two cents on it. You, so while you were with Boston, you scored the 20,000th <laughs> goal yep. it was. And, uh, in the organization, um, only the other team that had accomplished that was the, the Canadians, the big rivalry yeah. for you guys. Against St. Louis, I think. Against St. Louis. <laughs> and I think I pushed the puck in and someone slashed me and the stick broke. And they're like, we want your stick oh, yeah, for, the, you for the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I'm like, that was it's in pieces. What was that like? I mean, that was, were you going, what? Like, I did what? Yeah. It's one of those things you have no idea. It's, yeah, yeah. it's about to happen. And then when it happens, I mean, I didn't know until after the game. I just felt good to score on St. Louis yes. after leaving there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like. What do you mean? That was 20,000 goals. <laughs> Who's like, counting? How do you like, even yeah, compute yeah. that? And who I, knew that that was yeah. the goal? Unreal. And then you wonder, like, did someone screw up in the history? Seriously. Like, there might be, like, you know, one prior, how one could off. You, you could miss a couple somewhere. I think so, for sure. Yeah. I just, I saw that. And I'm like, oh, I really wonder what he has to say yeah. about that. That was weird. Um, so coming to, to an end in Boston, I know that you just battled injuries and just, and then you got, what, what was the trade here like for you what were the emotions surrounding that and in your career at the time and where you were headed and and what were the decisions that you had to make yeah so uh, that year we went to the cup finals i was i started first well i had a healthy scratch my first year um but hadn't had a healthy scratch and yeah 12 or 13 after that yeah 13 years between that and in february uh no, it was, yeah, February of the year went to the finals. I got my first healthy scratch again. Um, yes. Kind of signaling maybe that my time was limited in Boston or coming to an, I didn't know if the trade deadline, what was going to happen. I had some trade protection in my contract. Um, so we go to the finals. I'm still playing not every game, but more often than not, I felt like I was contributing in the playoffs. We don't win the cup. Figured I'm going to get traded that summer or maybe bought out because they're obviously not seeing my services useful. Sure. They don't trade me or buy me out. I'm back in camp trying to, you know, forge through another season. Now I'm not. I'm playing less than I'm sitting out and wondering what's going to happen. They told me in January, hey, we're going to waive you, but we don't want you to go to the minors because we don't want you to get hurt. We're going to buy you out. And I'm like, you know, it's a gut punch to anyone. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm at home and I talked to my agent. I said, listen, 
let me, can you see if they'll just let me use the facilities there, even when the guys aren't there, so I can stay in shape? Because if someone wants to trade for me at the deadline or whatever, I want to be ready for it. And so they talked and he said, no, they don't want you to work out or do anything. They just want you to be healthy so you can pass a physical, they can buy you out. So I'm starting to feel like my career's over, or at least my time in Boston, and I'll have, you know, free agency, maybe a two-way deal. I got to earn my spot in a camp somewhere. Who knows what it looks like? And uh, there's an organization called Professional Athletes Outreach, which is a, a Christian ministry that uh, navigates and, and helps guys you know connect to other christian athletes and uh puts on conferences in the summer and i had done a, a bible study with a bunch of guys in st louis rams and baseball guys uh cardinals guys that would always talk about this pao and i was i always wanted to be a part of it but there's never a hockey one well during that time i was sitting out uh one of the guys from the, the team or uh, the ministry called me and said hey we got a football conference in san diego if you can make it we'd love to have you and i'm like well no one's calling for my services around here i'm gonna go so i fly to san diego and go through this conference it was it was unbelievable 20, 250 football players active and retired with their wives at this christian conference and i was like this is pretty amazing wow last day of it um or night before the last day adam mcquaid was there as well and i was talking to him he had just retired from an injury i think and i said i'm pretty sure i'm done and i think i'm at peace with being done and the next day my agent calls me. He's like, hey, uh, a team wants to trade for you, and uh, it's Anaheim, and Bob Murray wants you to play and lead their young guys, and he still thinks you got game and leadership in you. And I got chills through my whole body. Uh, the problem was that I had a 10-team no-trade list, and it was mostly I mostly factored around sure. tax treatment at that point sure. because if I'm just going to get bought out, you want to pay as little taxes as you Absolutely. can. But Anaheim wasn't on the list, and he said, we need you to, you know, if you want to go, you got to, okay the trade and i said let me call my wife first before i get in trouble and good good point yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i called my wife and uh and she says i said hey honey like i just got a call from wade and uh anaheim wants to trade for me and they want me to play and she said let's do it without hesitation and i was like oh my gosh like okay i'm yeah i i literally buried my career last night and now i'm back yeah, alive back and chills through my body back into the conference and uh, you know, they do like a worship thing. And I was, I was starting to get emotional just because I've been a hockey player for so long and thought it was over. And now I've got a second life. The speaker that night was Francis Chan, who's a, a, a great speaker. And he was in the midst of packing up all of his stuff, selling all his belongings, packing up what's rest, uh, left, moving to a different country that was war torn to spread the gospel. And he said, and I, I, I was thinking about this. I was feeling a nudge and I asked my wife, or I told my wife I was feeling this nudge and without hesitation, she said, let's do it. And it was the exact words that my wife said. And I got chills. And I'm like, how does this happen? Right. That's incredible. So I start talking to Murph and he's, he's like, Hey, uh, you know, we need you here in town. What have you been up to lately? And I said, actually, I've been doing nothing. So, uh, I need to get there and get my button gear before I can play. Yeah. But my gear was back in Boston. I was in San Diego. So I flew from San Diego back to Boston to grab my gear. My fam, my wife and kids were in uh, Disney World with a bunch of the other wives yeah. and kids. They flew back to Boston. We had like four hours in the afternoon and off I went back here. And then it was like mini training camp. And Murph was so good with me. He's like, yeah. hey, you're a pro. You'll know when you're ready. Just give me a little bit of a heads up. And so I was skating with the skating coach and lifting and 
extra bikes and trying to do all the things so I could get in shape. And it was like a week. And I was like, I'm not going to get any closer to game shape without playing in a game. Yep. And so I said, I think I'm ready. Whenever you got a spot for me to line up, I'm in. And then Dallas was phenomenal. Uh, I played six games and playing on the fourth line with, you know, Carter Rowney and yeah. uh, Delorier. He had a hat trick in one of the games. Yes. If you remember against Ottawa, I do. We give him a hard time. Like it was a, it was a street hockey goalie or like a, a mite goalie in there. It was, I think it was the kid's first game, but oh, fantastic. he got a, he got a hat trick. You know, probably my fondest memory when I played here was a, you know, tough guy fighter. He said he never had a hat trick in his no, life, never. And he gets a hat trick in the NHL, and to be part of that. I remember the third goal was uh, it was a ozone face off, and we we're fourth line. No reason to be even be out there, but Dallas has got you know. I think he was a bit of a grinder himself, so he's like, "These guys are hot. Let's yeah. put them out there." And I said, "Des, come off the wall. I'm going to win the draw right here and just rip it." And I won the draw. He came off the wall, shot it, the goal, uh, like threw the goalie's glove in the net, and it was it was phenomenal. So that's that's my best, I think, Ducks memory. The yeah. uh, six games they shut the season down. We go back to Boston and sell our house there and figuring out what we're going to do as COVID had shut the world down. Um, they played the season, the end of the season, in the bubble, and then it was delayed beginning of the next season. Kelly and I, my wife were like, what are we going to do if they start the season up and I'm going to play in Anaheim? And she said, I think we buy a house and if it's six months and we play there and we don't like it, we'll sell it again. And I was like, seems like a lot of work for six months, yeah. but, um, we had such a good time. They came to visit before COVID shut the world down and we had such a good time. She's like, we'll just see how it goes. And yeah. she's more of like a, you know, see where the world takes us. And I'm more of like, I want everything planned. I want to have a strategy. And yeah. so we bought a house. Uh, actually, we took a trip here uh, looking for homes and kind of got a tour of the area and obviously really loved it, but nothing spoke to her. She's got such a good feeling for yeah. like, she'll go into a house and be like, this is it. And I have none of that. I'm like, what's the math on this thing? We got to figure it out. Uh, so we didn't find anything. And then one came up and we saw it on Zillow, I think, before our agent even saw it. We called him and said, what, what's, what's the story in this house? Yeah. And he said, it's an incredible house. Let's, let's work on this one. And so we bought it over FaceTime after a tour. First time seeing it in person was at yeah. the inspection. Um, and then we've been in that house ever since. And absolutely, it was the perfect spot for us on That's an great. amazing street. Our kids love the schools. I walk my kids to school every day <sighs> and when it's not raining lately. But um, it's just been an incredible time to be here now getting looped in with the alumni. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a golf tournament starting and trying to raise funds and increase those uh, connections amongst other alumni. And it's just, uh, it's been a good fit. I love it. I love that you're still here and working, you're wearing your alumni hat right now, which yeah. is cool. And um, yeah, the golf tournament, first one ever. So we're excited to see how that goes. Um, but I do want to ask you about your final game because that was something special. And I know uh, there is kind of a story behind it and Getsy was part of that too, yeah. to get and make that happen. Could you kind of remind all of us how all that all went down? Yeah. And a little backstory is that I was telling the story when I got traded here that Getsy one year, he was a captain here and I was a captain in St. Louis and it was after overtime. There was like a scrum in front, the horn goes oh, and he, he, he tried this. to fight me after <laughs> overtime. I remember this. And I was looking at this guy. I'm like, there's a screw loose with this guy. He's trying to fight me. What's going to happen if a, if, with a fight after overtime? You're going to really like spur your guys up to yeah. rally? Like, no, this is just <laughs> dumb. And so that's when I knew, okay, he's 
he's not backing down from anything yeah. and tons of respect for Ryan Getzlaff. Fast forward to me being here, one of the, you know, old school guys, but just so welcoming and, you know, mutual respect, which was phenomenal. Uh, we get to close to my last game. And I, again, that year of COVID where there's no fans in the stands or it was a quarter at the end of the year, um, tough year for everyone, I believe, but I was playing one out of four games or mm -hmm. so. Um, and it got down to the end and, look at the schedule our our last two series were in st louis and in minnesota and it was like man if i could just play one of those games have my parents there it would be so yeah. great but wasn't going to say anything and getsy comes back comes to me quietly he says hey uh did they tell you you're playing any any of those games i said dallas pulled me in he said he wants to but murph's holding the call-ups for somebody else and or somebody and doesn't think it's going to happen and so getsy went into murph and dallas and said if I have to fake an injury and warm up so he can play in St. Louis, it's going to happen. And so they that got the ball rolling and they said, hey, you're going to play this game in St. Louis. I got to fly my parents in and uh, St. Louis gave me a suite for the game. It was quarter occupancy, but yeah. they, they opened up a suite for my family and an aunt and uncle and some local friends. And then I didn't know if that was going to be my last game really felt like it yeah. was my last game, could have been my last game. My wife taped a video. Uh, I had a great chance to score that game too, and I didn't. And that's maybe my one regret <laughs> from that game, but that's just the way the skills diminish after yeah. time. Um, but just so many great emotions and memories in that building. And then to finish it there um, was, you know, I cried my face off after the game. Sure. But, oh, that to Ryan. I mean, he without him, that doesn't happen. I don't have that memory um, I don't get that closure kind of on my career. The next two games are in Minnesota. And after that emotional flush of, of St. Louis, even if they would have put me in the lineup, I would have probably been like, listen, I'm so spent right now. I, I mean, it was, I was empty after that. Oh, and, and it was the perfect yeah. exc exc exclamation yeah, point yeah. Uh, in my mind. So even if they would offer it, I think I probably would have said I'm I'm at a good place and kind of closure almost. Yeah, right? and then Minnesota does like a, a little bit of a tribute to the local boy and and I'm in a suite and uh, you know give him the old wave. But I just thought it was so I was so touched by the you know the class of both organizations to yeah. do that and and the you know Ryan to force the hand to get me in there something I will I will never forget and am eternally grateful for him. Uh, uh. Thanks for sharing that story because yeah. I I was able to be part of it and was there yeah. and got to see it. But I mean, I you could just see it on your face yeah. and, and what it meant to you. So uh, that's so cool. Um, so let everyone know now what, what's going on here. So you're here. You're going to be on set talking about pets here. So give me a, the backstory of this incredible organization you guys have had for 10 years. Yeah. Another story that's got some some backstory. Yeah. Of, uh, when we were in college, my wife and I went to the same college. We'd volunteer. We were renting apartments so there it was irresponsible and probably illegal uh, in the least to own our own pet so we would go to the local animal shelter and volunteer and walk dogs and clean their kennels and do whatever was needed around there so when we got to the to st louis uh selfishly i said how am i going to ingrain myself in the community so much that if they try to trade me or send me to the miners there's going to be an uproar at the same time my wife's so passionate and it just oozes out of her of her love for animals and you know, she's got endless energy to help animals uh, or any animal in need or any any person in need, really. So we got linked up with a, 
a local animal shelter there and they were close to closing their doors when we got linked up with them uh, and we started with just hey what what's the three dogs that have been here the longest and hey this one's been here for a year this one's been here nine months this one's been here eight months and so i would take pictures with those specific dogs and then we'd get them on the blues website and they'd be david's dogs of the month or whatever and kelly's cats she'd have yeah. some too wow and then those long resident animals would get a higher profile and they'd get adopted and then we started doing that we were still walking dogs and cleaning kennels and the executive director from the organization says listen we love that you come here and walk dogs and clean kennels but if if we can have four hours of your time this week we can use those more efficiently and use your platform more than cleaning kennels because we have volunteers other volunteers that can do that yeah. if we can use your voice and say hey we've got this fundraiser coming up and you're willing to go on the radio and and pitch it or willing to go to the event we can charge double for our ticket price and now we're using your platform the way it should be and that clicked with us of like we could multiply this with our connections to other athletes and they knew we were helping animals they'd ask questions about it we can multiply this and use other players uh platforms and other sports all around and everyone's intertwined in the professional yeah. leagues you're traded and move all over the place so uh we decided to start our own organization called athletes for animals and uh, we at first were like quote unquote signing guys to be our ambassadors sure. uh but it's evolved into something where it's it's not so formal and more informal of there was some uh breed specific legislation in montreal and uh mark edward vlasic volunteered to like spearhead some of the initiatives uh, you know whether it's lobbying politicians or if yeah. it's just you know getting the word out that this is what they're trying to do and discriminating against breeds just on how they look or if it's a spray spay neuter initiative and um or if someone just wanted to donate money whether it's athlete or the public every cent that comes in goes back out in the form of a a grant to local organizations doing great work so that's kind of what we're what we're doing now is uh we do some fundraisers we do some raffles with jerseys and things like that and kelly and i cover all the overhead for the organization and every penny that comes in goes back out in, a, in the form of a grant so that's kind of where we've landed um our own house uh most recently two weeks ago uh there was a, there's a local group called priceless pets which is going to be at the ducks game later tonight yeah. that uh, they reached out it's actually a facebook forum dangerous to get your wife on there just as a disclaimer <laughs> but they posted a, a mama dog that was at riverside animal control yeah and riverside animal control does great work but they're uh i, I think they're county shelter that does euthanize for space yeah. because that's just what they have to do there's too many you know animals in need and so there's a pregnant mama there that needed a shell uh, uh, a rescue group to take her out of there and kelly saw it on there and she goes we should we should get this mama and you know let her have her puppies here and normally i'm like do we really need to take on something else right now but <laughs> I, I for whatever reason i'm like yeah let's do it we high-fived and she didn't say another word and i'm like did she think i was kidding yeah but after i dropped the kids off at school the next day she's like okay uh we gotta leave in 30 minutes i'm like leave for what she goes we gotta go to riverside and get that mama dog and i'm like oh we're actually oh, doing this so we go to Riverside, get the dog. She's in our um, she's in our garage, a heated garage, in a nice cozy pen, and pregnant, and she's growing. Well, we had to go to St. Louis on Sunday and Monday. To, we've got a new initiative with Purina that's called Monday Like a Pro, 
and and okay. they're going to donate a ton of money to our organization nice. for people just logging minutes of being active with their animal uh with ProPlan. so we're we have to leave sunday morning to go there for monday do the thing and then come back yeah. monday night well go figure saturday night this mama starts going into labor oh, so my wife's not going to leave her side i'm leaving at 9 30 in the morning and she's in active labor at that point i'm like honey i have to go if you can make it later you come with so i left she delayed her flight or changed her routing connected in denver something left at four o'clock she was able to deliver three of the puppies her mom was in town taking care of our kids the the dog ended up having eight puppies one didn't make it but she had seven puppies and now she's being a great mama but that's our that's our hands-on fostering work that we're doing now and it's just it's really great to you know have that in your house but for our kids to learn lessons of like yeah i got a five-year-old boy and uh boys are they're we call him feral like he's (laughs) he's crazy i mean not crazy but he's all over the place and like we he's learned more from dealing with like a little puppy and being gentle with it and how he's got to love it and be kind for it and care for it and it needs water and food and uh just so many mutual benefits to have them in our house so that's my my long monologue i love it yeah hey great stuff great work and uh i'm so glad that you're doing it and and so glad everybody can hear what you're doing and how can they find you guys uh athletesforanimals.org okay Perfect. Yeah. And you're in town. So you're, in you're, town, you're around. Yeah. So you're going to be around, around part of the yeah. alumni and hopefully see you at the rink. Yeah. And, and maybe we can do this again soon. And my son's actually started to skate oh, um, no. from being in Minnesota for Christmas, skated at a friend's house. And he's like, I had fun doing that. And I'm like, okay, oh. let's take you to uh great park. And yes. so last two uh, weeks I've had him out there on the ice and he's like, that was so fun. Trying to determine if it's, he actually like skating or it's the treats I get yes. him after the post game exactly <laughs> exactly so we'll i'm gonna start weaning that a little bit to see if the excitement's still there. see if the back is on the back of the jersey get to see that soon exactly all right man well thanks for doing this again i appreciate it great chat uh, chatting with you and i can't wait to see you on set and, and talk some more about puppies yeah thanks for having me it was a great time all right uh this has been another episode of from mighty till now with david backus this is an anaheim ducks original production on duck stream <laughs>